Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Today, I'm talking to one of Canada's greatest musicians and a man who is heard on the radio in Canada pretty much every single day since the 1980s. He started out with Max Webster in the 1970s and they have some really good songs, my favorite being Diamonds, Diamonds, before going solo and having some of the biggest songs in Canadian history, including Patio Lanterns, Easy to Tame, and more. He's one of my favorite musicians. I love his music, and so it was a great honor to be able to talk to Kim Mitchell, a man who's been on Kids in the Hall, who's had hit records, and much more. So I'm going to get right to it, but before I do, if you want to support the podcast, you can. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. So let's get to our interview with Kim Mitchell. Big fantasize. Uh, it's your first album in 13 years? Yes, it is. It's, um, yeah, first album in 13 years. I'm not sure I was even going to write it or another album, but it was until my producer, a friend of mine, Greg Wells is his name. He was in my band at 17 and then moved to uh, moved to Los Angeles. He heard these songs and went, this is a side of you that we really should, your fans need to hear. So come on down to Los Angeles and let's record some of this. So that's exactly what we did. I did it with a bit of hesitation. <laughs> as, you know, anybody would, because you, you go out when you play live, I'm playing the stuff that people know in my career and love it. And I was content with that, just to never record again, even though I had these songs. But once we got into it, um, I, I was having a nice time. It was a really cool experience, a very cool journey for me to take again. And uh, Wishes is the first uh, single from that. And I, uh, from what I read, it, it was took the longest for you to put together of all your songs? Yeah, it's the longest song to ever get put together by me. Actually, I can't think of anything in my life that took any longer than, <laughs> than this song. It took... It took 10 years, yeah. I found the poem in a waiting room, um, and it was just in a book, and I randomly opened up this book of poetry in a waiting room, and Wishes popped out at me by A.C. Child. And, uh, I read it and went, wow, I just would, I should write a song around this lyric. It's such a beautiful lyric. It reached right in there so long ago. And so I did that. And uh, But... Um, I knew that even though the poem was complete, the song wasn't. I, listening back to the song, I was like, eh, it's missing something. It's missing a chorus or it's missing a musical deviation midsection. And so um, over the course of 10 years, I sort of chipped away at it here and there every few months. And I couldn't really seem to get the parts that matched this tune. I always felt like a little odd. So, And it wasn't until about five, six months ago that I sat down with my guitar and because I wanted to put it on this record, the big fantasize and, and I kind of stopped playing the guitar and just kept singing a melody and it went, Oh, that feels kind of natural. That feels like it belongs. And then uh, an hour and a half later, I had the song was complete. And I kind of went, okay, my <laughs> God's telling me this is done. So I, that was quite, that was quite a long time, but I guess the, the moral of the story is, man, you know, if you believe in a song, the, the right part will come along, you know, if you're looking for something. And uh, sooner or later, that part's going to come along. 
Yep. So hang in there. <laughs> uh, and it's also a big year because you've been inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, what was it like to find out that you're you're being inducted uh, with so many great musicians? Well, thanks, Greg. It, it really took me by surprise. I'm not inducted yet because the ceremony was supposed to happen in May and, and obviously things were shut down. But mm-hmm. just the fact that I will be is good enough for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, took, you can see a gold record coming. You can see a platinum record coming because people update you on sales and stuff like that. Or, or even June Awards, you get nominated. And so there's a chance. But this being taken out, it was just kind of like, hey, do you want to meet at the local pub? I'm from SoCan. I want to talk to you about something and I thought it was maybe going to be something about royalties because they're the the organization that collects songwriters royalties. He said, well, we want to induct you into the Canadian Songwriting Hall of Fame and I kind of stopped for <laughs> a few minutes. I was like, hmm. And, and, and she goes, are you okay? What are you thinking? And I'm like, that's quite a group. I said, but it's quite a dysfunctional group too. It's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, the, like people with addictions and family problems and physical problems and I mean that's our fuel. I, I thought I'll be I'll be right at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of going back a bit, what uh, what acts kind of led you to be inspired to get into music? Are, oh, okay. So you're talking about when I first got when, uh, when you first, first started to be a musician. Yeah, when you first started sure. uh, performing. Think, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I think I was probably about five years old, sitting on my father's lap and watching Ed Sullivan and Elvis Presley came on. And it wasn't, it wasn't the adoration of the fans that got me. I know it's kind of hard to sort of remember that far back because it is, but I just remember being focused on the guitar. And I think, now I wouldn't have thought this, I wouldn't have used these words back then, but there was something about the pulse of rock and roll, something about the groove in the pocket. Because I think he was playing Don't Be Cruel and you ain't nothing but a hound dog or something like that. I was like, infatuated with the guitar all of a sudden and that's all I wanted and I think my parents got me a guitar about a year later and that's all I did was walk around the house kind of playing it but as a six-year-old you're not playing it you're just kind of hacking around it (laughs) I think I hacked around it so much that my mother threw it down the stairs into the basement and broke it and then around 11 years old they got me a real guitar and some lessons and so then, uh, then you go on. You you uh, form Max Webster, which is honestly it, it's sure. a great band that I, I don't think uh, enough people know about. Diamonds, diamonds is a is a fantastic song, and so you form Max Webster, and then suddenly you're performing and touring with people like Rush. Was that kind of a a, a big shock to be like suddenly doing all of that and you know following your dream like that? Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I actually moved to Toronto and started Max Webster. I had been living on the Greek island of Rhodes. So I was on the Isle of Rhodes. And I came back to take guitar lessons in Toronto from a specific guitar teacher. And I needed to make 150 bucks a week or something. So I ran into some guys and got a hold of some guys. And we formed a band and started this band called Max Webster. And kind of wacky we're doing some cover tunes and i was writing a little bit and and then yeah the record company came along and came out to see us play and we were filling places and next thing we're playing with rush and i mean we went on the road with everybody it wasn't just rush we were helping up for black sabbath um 
uh, some of the southern bands. I remember REO Speedwagon, all kinds of like. There's there's not too many bands back then that I didn't do a, a slot in front of, except for Kiss. <laughs> um, we never opened up for Kiss, and I got to ask Gene Simmons that. I said, Gene, I said, how how come Max Webster never opened up for Kiss ever? And I swear this is what he said. He goes, because you guys could play. <laughs> <laughs> Can't, can't make no, them look bad. No, that's just Gene. Yeah, well, that's just Gene being Gene. You know, he's a wonderful cat to talk to. He's, he's really, really gracious, really awesome, dude. But it felt awesome. It, it felt really nice to. And actually, Max Webster was sort of on the brink of doing their own headline, our own headline tour. We had made a bit of noise in the States after a while. We had been to uh, the UK a couple times and we were going to be playing the Hammersmith Odeon uh, over there, which is a fairly iconic uh, theater. And we had some dates we were going to go over, but uh, we ended up breaking up. So, after all this time, is it is it still weird to kind of hear yourself yourself on the radio? Because your music is, you know, it's a staple of uh, radio. I've got a bunch of your songs on my uh, my iPhone. People are still listening to it. Is it still kind of weird to be, you know, you're out driving and then suddenly one of your songs comes on? It's it's humbling actually to be honest with you. This this much time later, I I would have thought I'd been in my second or third career long ago, and as it's turned out, uh, just as recent as before COVID, I did three weeks of dates in soft seat theaters and selling them selling them out. So. Um, I'm kind of freaked out, yeah. And when I hear something on the radio, it's it's kind of humbling that you're part of you're part of that small bit of fabric in a person's life, which is the musical part of their life, the musical fabric of their life. And I love people when they come up and have a story. Hey, man, you know, I saw you play at such and such high school, or <laughs> my girlfriend and I, you know, da 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 da, whatever. It's 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 always nice to hear stories like that. It's very humbling. Is there any song from your career that stands out uh, as kind of a special one, one of your favorites? No. No, <laughs> not at all. No. Uh, they're all my kids. So uh, I, I have stories, uh, feelings, and emotions around a lot of them. Um, some are, like, for instance, Patio Lanterns. That uh, took a long time to get recorded the way I wanted to, the way, what I was hearing in my head. It took me three days to sing it in the studio. I'd come at it and I'd sing it for an hour and a half and I'd go, eh, it's, it's terrible, it sucks. I'm not, I'm, I'll, start, I'll try it again tomorrow. I did that for three days. And now when I still hear the song, I still want to fix a couple <laughs> things. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then rock, you know, things like Rock and Roll Duty, um, that song was written so quick. It was... I think we finished that song in about 30 minutes, top to bottom. And then recording was the same. We walked out on the floor and bang, there was the track. Like <laughs> first or second take. I think we actually used the first take. So. Um, uh, so there's little stories like that around it, but there's not not one that I go, ah, this is it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like centering out one of your kids and going, <laughs> you're my favorite kid last year. <laughs> ah, you're okay. <laughs> um. Easy to Tame is my favorite song of yours. Can you tell me a bit about how that song came about? Yeah, normally Easy to Tame had sort of this country feel to it. And um, I wrote it on keyboard. 
I'm not a keyboard player, but it's pretty easy. You can learn the chords of that in an afternoon. It's all with no sharps or flats. It's in the key of C. And so I just had a drum machine going, and it's kind of going, bah, bah, and I was kind of singing. And I had these lyrics in front of me. Uh, what am I doing to make it so sad? And I just kept kind of singing that. And, you know, I fell together. And it wasn't until my mother, God rest her soul, she came up to visit my man uh, and my wife at the time and and I said she goes oh what are you doing How, what's all this stuff and it was my recording stuff I said oh it's my recording stuff which was tapes back then so I had a bunch of tapes <laughs> and she goes, she goes oh what, what are you writing I said well I just finished a song it's going to be called Easy to Tame she goes oh let me hear it and she stood up and started to dance to it right away I was just I'll always picture my mother dancing to the demo of that song it was her and I and my wife and I was just playing it through some little speakers and she was like dancing in the in the dining room and was, I was like wow this is such a cool moment <laughs> uh growing up I was always a big fan of kids in the hall and then uh one day you you did a guest spot on it and I've always wanted to kind of know how that how that came about uh where you did that quick guest spot on kids in the hall I'm not sure how it came about it just People, people ask, right? Mm -hmm. I guess they thought, oh, it's good Kim Mitchell. And they contacted my people. My people spoke to their people. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm in the studio with them. And I kind of didn't know they were a big deal. I had no idea that, I'm like, kids in the hall. Oh, okay. What, what's that? <laughs> and they were very nice. I remember the film day. It was like, they're all, everybody, crew and everyone was really sweet. We did the thing. And then I realized, oh my see this show's pretty popular people really really dig this <laughs> uh what's it like to be performing with bands that you've helped inspire uh like maybe bare naked ladies and such these bands that listen to you and now you're you know performing with them well uh do you mean live or, or uh, whether it's recording or whether it's to... it's sure, live sure. either way yeah absolutely um yeah their fans, uh, they've made it pretty clear to me a few times that they're fans. They, it, it's funny. Well, they'll, we'll kind of get together and they'll start singing a, a really deep Max Webster song or a Kim Mitchell song, and it's it's, it's really funny. <laughs> they're, they're such great men. They're awesome husbands and uh, incredible musicians too. So it, it's just nice to hear them. And I played on um, on a song of theirs, Ed. Ed Roberts, I wasn't maybe with Ed. Has Ed ever had a solo record? I don't think so. No, it was a song called "Wind Wind Him Up" or something. And, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I played the guitar solo in that because and it was kind of funny because Ed's sitting on a, a crate. I'm standing up playing groove, and I look over, and Ed's just kind of sitting on a crate six feet away, like looking at me, like, "Oh wow, man!" Going <laughs> <laughs> out a little bit, and it was, it was it's it was adorable. It was an adorable sight. <laughs> And uh, so just we, we're kind of friends that we don't see each other a lot. They're a really busy bunch of guys. But whenever we get together, they, they always, you know, whatever you want, Kim, we'll be there. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to, while I was recording this song, wanted to do Diamonds, Diamonds. And they said, yeah, we're in. Let's do it. Is there is there any act over the course of your career that's just kind of stood out that you know your favorite act to play with or just a, a moment where it was like I can't believe that I'm uh, on stage with this person or this band or in the rec recording studio with them? 
Yeah, lot, there's so many of those moments. Um, the first one that comes to mind is uh, opening up for Van Halen a couple times, and Eddie and Sammy came into the dressing room, and we were yakking away. Um, a funny moment, though, happened that afternoon. It was in Rochester, a gig in the afternoon. I think they had another gig at night. And I was on stage. Well, first of all, Eddie's watching me, and then play and then I'm on his side of the stage with a neuron and I'm, I'm standing there with my lighting man and my sound man and there's a picture of this there's like a road case with a bunch of drinks on it that Eddie can come over to the side stage and he takes a sip in between songs but there might there might have been booze there or Gatorade and water <laughs> there's a, an array of things sitting there and he comes flying over in between songs and and goes Oh man, he goes, it sounds like shit up here today. And my lighting guy goes, my lighting guy looks at him and goes, Oh yeah? And he points out front to the sound man out front. He goes, Oh yeah, you should hear it out there. <laughs> like, and then he kind of kind of looks at him like, huh? And, and then everybody laughed. And, uh, kind of a funny moment. There's there's a few times that uh like a lot of times I don't think people even know who I am. And um, my band reminds me that there's more musicians know you than you think, Kim. And, and that sort of was proved to me once uh, come, coming off the elevator was Paul Stanley. And somebody went, oh, Paul, this is Kim Mitchell. Because I was just standing there waiting for transport in a hotel lobby. Anyway, he went, this is Kim Mitchell. And Paul went, oh, go for soda. Yeah, man. He says, I love your work. <laughs> so... And the same thing with Neil Sean of Journey. I was, we were at dinner, uh, backstage dinner, and he's over at the next table with Journey, and, of course, we're having our dinner. And I'm like, oh, man, Neil's such an amazing guitar player. I'd love to meet him. And my drummer went, he probably knows who you are, Kim. Like, why don't you go over and say hi? So just as I pushed my seat back, he pushed his back and came over and went, Kim, <laughs> I've always wanted to meet you. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is kind of blowing me away. But there's been cool things like that along the way um, generally fans are just we're all doing the same thing out there so there's kind of a mutual respect of, of each other and of course my time with Rush was really special mm -hmm. they, they were awesome guys and Neil would play drums to our set every night his drums were scrimmed like a curtain across his drums and we'd be playing and Neil would be back there warming up playing to our set <laughs> So be, we, on stage, we had two drummers, but out front, nobody knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, my last question, uh, you've, you've got the new album, uh, you've got the first single out. Uh, so kind of what's coming up now uh, uh, through the summer and into, uh, into the winter and such? We don't know. Do you? Not really. <laughs> I mean, we're still in the... Yeah, we're in a pandemic. I can promise you this. I will be doing some gardening and I'll be doing some cooking and I'll be walking my dog and I'm really average at all those. So um, as far as music goes, I've been kind of unmotivated. I finished the record before COVID and we did three weeks of gigs before COVID and I'm okay to just walk by my guitars and just wave at them for a while. Hi, <laughs> how you doing over there? No, I won't be playing you today. Enjoy. Don't dry up on me. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kim Mitchell, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com. 
And you can find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all of my podcast episodes at CanadaEHX.com. Once again, support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.